0: 30 bottles of beer on the wall 30 bottles of beer you take one down you pass it around it's another
1: episode of beer 30 all oh. hello and welcome to all Dirty 30s out there it's episode 86 of beer 30 i'm your host Luke McDermott and always i'm joined by my co-host drew grill drew I ran out of breath during that.
0: It just sounded like you were doing like a breathy version of the vampire that you were already doing.
1: Yeah, but then I made my voice shaky at the end, yeah. so it was different. <laughs> I tried really I realized how close they were and I was like, I got to do something at the end so it's not the exact same. All right, let's oh, crack it. Good. So, real question is, did anybody get in a car crash
0: last week? And we predicted did you it, like, so did you like the little trick we played on you there? <laughs> any, anybody anybody <laughs> seeing any black clouds and almost go off a bridge? But but you didn't. Unless you did, then that's <laughs> yikes.
1: That's uh that's it's our Anna bad and Oakland coming back for you. That's
0: what's happening there. Also you know the devil. If any one of you guys got into a car crash, I'll say it. That's my bad. That's my bad dog. Facts. Write that down in the insurance claim. <laughs> I, the podcast told me i was gonna do it so i, I to, so i just do it uh yeah i'm real excited for this week end of Rendlesham forest where we're getting to the investigation right where it gets all shady yeah
1: yeah we're getting to the investigation where it's just bad like <laughs> it, things just don't i don't know I, i'll get to it but yeah we're doing that we're doing bounces around and then you have a disappearance
0: correct i have a very intriguing disappearance i just like last week i got a candle lit the lights are off it's raining outside getting a real spooky vibe up here up in here yeah i'm fucking Uh, ready for this i do have the whiskey this time i do have some. i'm also getting spooky by sweating my ass off because it's so hot (laughs) in my room so
1: that doesn't scare you i don't know what will all out right. The so last time, it's like
0: 55 degrees out. Yeah, the window's open. It's oh. not helping. <laughs> Oof.
1: <clears throat> yeah. So, last we left off, uh, Holt just finished his recording. Burroughs just went into a bubble of light. And Peniston is having a rough time and decided to take a week off av- after having similar symptoms to PTSD. And then inner ear issues began to plague him. So, the official investigation began, and four men, including Penniston and Burroughs, were debriefed, which is strange because, like like I said beforehand, almost 80 people saw it, right? But only, like, four, four-ish people were debriefed. Two of them uh, that were debriefed were literally just given statements and said, sign this, don't ask any questions, and it'll all be over for you. Like, just sign this statement. Don't ask any questions, and we're, we're out of your hair.
0: That right there is usually a sign of great police work.
1: Yep. <laughs> Very much, they just heard what happened, and they made you up a statement. So the And then the findings only included the first night, so they didn't even like try to look into the second night or anything like that. Uh, the findings, weirdly, did not deny that there were strange lights, but they did... Uh, and they didn't deny that there was a mechanical device involved, but there was none of that like wooey dooey stuff where it's like ooh the symbols and things like that. So yeah, the they they kind of stuff. yeah they're like they're like cool with the strange lights and the mechanical device, but they didn't add any of the rest of the stuff in. So uh, the majority of their reports on Peniston and Burroughs were just like. Describing the mental situation um of the two men and explaining like their sound of mind like making sure they're not crazy basically like that's what the like the majority of the reports did right like that's they're like oh yeah
0: no they're they're good meanwhile, to go meanwhile, they're just asking these guys questions and they're just they're like ah! Ah! <laughs> what was that thing? <laughs> Oh, so these guys are fine. These guys are totally fine. Reports
1: <laughs> fully left out the missing time, the strange symbols, the imprints in the ground, stuff like that. And then, like I said, some of them were fully fabricated by the Air Force and just had men sign it. Uh, Ed Cabin saying, Peniston's driver, was told to sign a statement without question, uh, and if he did, he'd be left out of the ordeal. And Ed said they basically forced him to sign it, and he did so without question. Like, you would if you're kind of in this situation and you're not like a higher up, and like in my mind, if there's questions about this being like, quite like the men in black, basically, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, like as much as I would love to figure out what's going on here, I also don't want to die, so I will just sign this and like be done with this.
0: That's because I'd love point. to learn more,
1: yeah. But like when they're coming in and they're being aggressive, it's like, okay,
0: I'm I'm done. Yeah, you got one it. of those. I'll just sign it one of those things that you think you'd be like, no, nah, I wouldn't just sign that. Like I would figure out what's going on when you're already confused as shit from seeing it in the first place. And then people are just yeah. coming at you like real aggressive, like sign this right now. Or like, it'll all be over. Like, blah, blah. You're like, okay, whatever. Like, it's already too much. I'm two days into this and I can't handle it.
1: Yeah. It's like, uh, this has happened. Two things have happened over the past two days. And I, if you have any inkling of it being like, I guess if you're smart, you're like, okay, they're coming in there and they're straight up just telling me to sign something. That's where I'm going to be like, all right, sounds good. Like, I'll just sign it and then I will lose my shit over it later because
0: I don't want to die right now. Yeah. So the next thing you know, you see De Vincent D'Onofrio is like some crazy bug man. who's asking <laughs> you for sugar water. You don't want Oh, that. God. You don't want that.
1: So, no other statements were taken from anybody else the first night. Like, the people who originally saw it and called it in, and, like, like the person that found, like, saw it first, there was, like, four people that saw it before Penniston or Burroughs were alerted to it. And probably more than that, right? And no statements were taken from the second night at all. So... Thank we got thank God we have like a recording of that second night even though we only have like 13 minutes of it and it's like four hours long, like if that didn't exist, people would not know that like a second night happened until Charles Holt came out and wrote a book called The Holt Perspective or some shit like that. So, uh, uh
0: are, apparently are that book's people, like 500 pages. I I bet it's fucking long, dude. Uh, the guy's writing for lost time, um. Are people from both sides of Rendleship Forest seeing this, like the UK and US bases? So that's... that. Well,
1: so they're both US bases, right? Oh, they're both Um, US. They're just in the UK. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, But they're in the UK. Yeah. And that's where things actually started, like, taking a turn, right? Because the US was like, well, it didn't happen on base, so it's your guys' fucking problem. And the British are like, well, you guys are the one that originally intervened, so you take care of it. And it was a lot of what i'll get into later is a lot of back and forth and then just dropping the ball on everybody's side gotcha gotcha yeah so burroughs and peniston were the only ones who were really questioned and interrogated uh they would end up being interviewed a total of 14 times each and every time they went in they're like this is the last time we just want your full account of what happened everything like that like they continued to reassure him that it's the last time but then they came back
0: 13 more times so that's like that that to me is like we're going to get you to tell this story so many times that at one point you're going to create a hole within your story just because you're recounting it like over mm-hmm. and over and so that way we can like say oh no this guy's crazy or like oh he's got holes yep. in his story it's not real
1: well Holt's book claimed that the men that were interviewed were pumped with Truth Serum. So Whoa. It sounds okay. Okay, like they could they, I they like this sounds men in black to me. This sounds very much like we're going to learn everything that you know so we can have it on record. Like Project Blue Book, basically, where it's like, all right, we're gonna figure out UFOs. And then Project Blue Book was, like, shut down in, like, the 60s or something. And I'm using shut down with air quotes around it because it is probably still going on today under a different name.
0: But Okay, that just um, flipped my view on what's going on here. To me, like, I thought these people were trying to discredit them for this because they already knew what was happening and, like, knew what it was, like, men in black mm -hmm. shit and just getting them not to do it. But, like, the point you just made is, like, okay, no, they really want to know what's going on because they don't know what's going on. Yeah,
1: I think that's what's happening here is they, like, people involved on both sides have n- either no idea what's going on or they have, like, part of the picture and they're trying to get more of it. Like, so that's why they're, like, getting with Trusium and questioning them, questioning them so many times to try to get literally any ounce of information they could out of them. Gotcha. Okay. But what was crazy is Burroughs, Peniston, and Holt never believed in aliens, and they still don't so like their their accounts of that night are like, yeah, some crazy shit happened, and i mean i don't I don't think it was aliens like that's that's their perspective on it, even though they all had like close what? encounters with that shit, they're all like, nah, aliens, not real, which is crazy to me yeah what? i like, I don't under- like what could you possibly think it was, then, if it wasn't an alien?
0: Yeah. Weird. What the fuck? Okay. All right.
1: I, w- uh, I wasn't there, I guess.
0: <laughs> fuck. <yeah>.
1: Assholes. Yep. <laughs> so, like I said, since it happened outside the base of the U.S. Air Force, they said it was a British problem to solve. And Britain, uh defense ministry was like, nah, this is your thing to deal with so halt uh was involved with the handoff trying to get like from the u.s trying to get the british defense ministry to take care of it uh and he wrote a sanitized version of what happened Uh, it was very toned down version describing the strange lights but never claimed anything was like a ufo never talked about aliens it was just like like a very kind of like the reports from earlier none of that wooey wooey stuff where it's like oh we just saw some strange lights And I don't even know if this one includes the mechanical device or anything like that. But what's odd about this memo is that it was sent three weeks after these things happened. So when the British ministry of defense got it, they're like, well, it took you almost a month to send this to us. It's clearly not that important to you guys. So they were like, they took their time to go investigate it. And then when they were like, ah, we don't really care about it. We're going to hand it back. And, uh, the last podcast on the left basically described it as they were throwing the hot potato around until it was cold and then just left it.
0: What? Yeah. That's like hmm. Okay.
1: So, this halt uh halt the I think it's called the halt memo uh fucked up one thing that really fucked the investigation up just in general, right? He wrote the wrong date of the occurrence, saying it happened a day later than it really did. Now, this is super bad or, like, it's a big issue because they went to their intelligence officers looking at one date and nothing happened, right? There's no, like, the radar showed that there's nothing on the radar. There's, like, no events occurred that day. So they're like, yeah, we don't have anything to back up what you're saying. And then... When it was later found out that they were looking at the wrong day, they went back to the real date and found out that the radar recording apparatus had been switched off that night. Oh my God, which I don't really believe that at all how yeah, that sounds no like that sounds like oh yeah, we caught something on it and nobody reported it originally, and now if we bring it up, we're just gonna look like idiots that didn't report it originally.
0: You look dumber for turning your radar off. Like, the it's a military base. Like, probably the most crucial thing possible to have to keep, like, you and everybody else there protected. I think you look like bigger idiots for it being turned off. Like, what?
1: Yep. It, it's crazy to me that, like, either way, they just look dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you turn it off? in general, like, why would you ever turn off your radar recording apparatus? And then, if you didn't turn it off, like, why wouldn't you report this shit? You just saw, like, something, a bogey on the radar, and then you're like, no, we're good, and just ignored it? I don't get that. So, looking at the way they both refused to take responsibility on the investigation, it, it looks like they were intentionally trying to get shit to die down like they're intentionally being like let's not fuck with this we don't care like either we don't care we know what it is but we don't want to fuck with it or it's just straight up like do not fuck with this hmm. uh the thing is the ufologist did not let it just go away though so now that like now when i said there was like 60 people that saw it well word of mouth started happening. So when they left base, they'd go out and drink at pubs and shit. And then people started hearing about it and like stories about it at pubs from multiple different people. And then eventually, <coughs> it got back to a lady that was a ufologist. And her friend also heard it through the grapevine. And they were both part of like a UFO club. So those women, along with another, wrote a couple articles that were published to other UFO uh, ufologists including a journal called the probe report. And I just wanted to highlight that because it's important Uh, because probe report is a funny name. Uh, After these reports were put out, a couple of the American subscribers were able to get enough information on the night in question that they were able to submit a freedom of information act request to get like, full as much information as they possibly could on that incident and that's when the halt report came out um which that's when like basically renal forest became like a publicly known thing
0: so we've learned it from us all changing sonic's eyes back to normal nerds get things done when all else fails nerds will get shit done on stuff like this
1: that was, that was something that henry mentioned he's like you know, paperwork is one of the greatest tools of a ufologist.
0: <laughs> and I was like,
1: willing to do paperwork because yeah. apparently the Freedom of Information Act is like,
0: it, you got a lot of do you have to do a lot of work to
1: submit a request for it. Oh yeah,
0: no, that is like the whole point. A lot of lot of red tape for stuff like that. I'm and sure. you have to be like
1: super specific on some things as well. And that's why, like, when they got word from their British ufologists, they're like, oh, we can like. We have enough info to actually submit a request. So, now the craft landing in the forest is public knowledge for the first time. Uh, so, what happened was uh, the like the community, the ufology community, the UFO community was sharing shit back and forth with each other. So, America, after they got the Freedom of Information request uh, fulfilled, they sent info back to the British but this is where arguably the british fucked up because the british decided to sell it to a newspaper um and the issue with that was anybody that was allowed to talk about it or anybody that like knew what was ha- what actually happened was not allowed to talk about it right and then you have everybody else just making shit up those other like 50 to 60 people just made mm-hmm. shit up Banana including fun. one guy Named Larry Warren. So. uh, He stepped forward. Because he wanted fame and recognition. But the issue was. This dude just straight up lied. About so many of the things that happened that night. Uh, And his version of the events. Didn't match anyone else's. But. He got out of the Air Force in 83. Now I got to find when this story takes place again. Uh, 80. So So three years after this happened. He got out of the Air Force. And he was just spouting off he, he basically got an author to write his events of it um and since he was the only one that like really stepped forward because all the other major players didn't leave the air force until after the 90s right so like mm. his account was the account of what happened at Rendlesham forest until holt burroughs and peniston left the air force now he tells a story about a red fly red light a red light flying at him and blinding him and then once his uh, vision comes back he sees a translucent spaceship with amorphous beings in him um and halt or somebody else important in the story walks up to the spaceship and starts talking to them about the electronics division and quote apart from another world quote and it's like he's really just hitting on all those things that you would want to be true right Mm -hmm. um the issue, and then he claims that he was instructed to leave afterwards and had a, quote-unquote, rough debrief.
0: Uh, but he wasn't debriefed at all.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then he, he tries to explain that him, being a low-level, like, grunt that was, like, never really promoted or anything like that, he was shown images and videos of the alien presence here on Earth. Did, like this is what he's claiming which makes no sense in the long run it's like why would they show a first year any of this stuff when like they have no need to know it really and they're mm-hmm. obviously like yeah not career men here yeah so uh he worked with an author like i said uh to write a book that was called left at east gate and for a while it was the only book that was out about the information. So people like took it as um, truth. And that's one of the big problems with Rendlesham Forest and the skeptics around it are like, they quote the book a lot and there's like, well, like which one's true? Which one's fake? Who's making up the story now? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, But the other issue was that uh, the author that wrote it like lost all all of his credibility, and he had to like later issue a statement apologizing for working with him and believing him. And he said he didn't have any reason to not believe him. Like all this shit, and people just
0: were mad. Yeah, no shit. Like, do your research, idiot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get rid right of. So and not do any research.
1: Well, I guess in my in his defense, they, like he couldn't. Like this is the only person willing to it's talk true. about the incident, and yeah, that is it sounds true. like he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. So uh but what was I gonna say? Oh yeah. Um Holt Penniston and wait, is this the right person? Uh no, not never mind, not Larry. Uh, so there's a ton of skeptics about this, obviously. Like everybody's there's plenty of skeptics about UFOs. Um but the way the skeptics try to explain it away are just like really weak explanations right so the most most common one is people think it's just a big elaborate prank that went wrong and there's a couple things that go into the prank so there's one guy named kevin condy a former u.s airman claimed that he was just driving down the taxiway with spotlight covered in red and green lights and he forgot about it until he saw Rendlesham Forrest later in his life. And now this prank was supposed to be on somebody else. Because they, they're like, I swear I see lights and shit like that. And he was just fucking with them. Now Halt, Penniston, and Burroughs all knew this guy. And they're like, yeah, that's definitely something he'd do. But he wasn't even on base the two nights that this happened. So there's no way that he was the one that did this. Yeah, that
0: doesn't explain so many other things either. Yeah,
1: that literally just explains the lights too. That doesn't explain... Any of the other weird time loss, weird symbols, shit like that. The other explanation, uh, an, or another explanation for Rendlesham Forest came out about a man named Peter Turtle, who has been described as, quote-unquote, a local character. Now, if you get that name from just, yeah, <laughs> it, that's just the town fool. Like, that's literally all that means. <laughs> yeah. So...
0: A local character. What John Wayne said, Casey was a local character. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> so what Peter Turtle said was that he had him and his buddy was, were pulling a truck full of fertilizer manure through the forest, and when they got around the forest, the truck broke down, and then this is when Turtle is like, "Oh shit, this." manure might be stolen. Like I don't know how he came to this realization or if the like his whole plan all along was to do what he did. Because he took the shit into the forest and lit it all on fire.
0: Nice. And that's okay.
1: again the explanation of the pretty lights. That's now
0: explosive, yeah. Yeah. Also yeah. when you say Peter Turtle, I'm just picturing the guy from or Dana Carvey from Master of Disguise. Yep. Turtle, turtle Turtle. <laughs> <You> <laughs> Am I not turtling enough sink? for the turtle club? That's what I thought you were going to say when you said he was quoted as saying, Am I not turtling up for the turtle club? That's a true local character. <laughs>
1: um, but again, that just explains where the lights come from. None of the other weird shit. And also, it's one night of events. Like, that's a, what a lot of these skeptics, like, they're like willing to help like try to explain one night of events, but they can't explain a, the, both of them under anything, right? So, another explanation was that it was a meteor shower. Which actually did happen on the twenty sixth, the night in question, but it only lasted a couple minutes and Meteor not shower. like. Yeah,
0: seems like a pretty good place for a UFO to hide in, doesn't it?
1: If anybody's watched Andor, you know it.
0: Oh, I haven't actually. So, well,
1: <laughs> yeah, you won't get that reference until you get
0: to that point in the show, I and really you're like, oh, Well,
1: this is what he's talking about."
0: Either way. Seems like a pretty convenient place for a UFO to hide, or like when yeah, but it still does. Strange back. hiding the time stone as a star.
1: Facts. Um, what a genius! Again, only explains one night. Only explains the lights. Doesn't explain any of the other weird shit that happened. <coughs> so, another theory: people are saying that it was a Soviet rocket that re-entered the atmosphere. Now, this is the only one that I can really. Kind of understand. Because we're in the height of the Cold War. We don't want to admit that something so easily entered our airspace. The symbols on the side could have been Russian language and they just didn't know. But that's another like, well, they probably know what Russian looks like. Shit like yeah, that. But yeah. it's still the only it does one does not look like mind. those
0: symbols. Yeah.
1: But it's still the only one in my mind that's like, okay. If it is anything that's just not like unexplainable, then it's Russian. It's a Russian rocket that like re entered and we just didn't want to talk
0: about it. Still unexplained things there, but yeah, I'm with yep. you. That's probably the most likely.
1: Still more, still doesn't really explain the second night, which was just as crazy or like just as crazy as the first night, especially if they have four to five hours of recordings on shit they saw. Yeah. Um, Some people think that it was like a training module, which they have these things, I guess, in the Air Force that's like a command module that you drop in places. But things about this. Those modules are about 9,000 pounds. The only way those modules can get places is by helicopter and getting it dropped in. Now, people in the Air Force definitely going to hear the helicopter, definitely going to
0: recognize
1: it. Um, know that and it's then passing also,
0: through their airspace at the same yep, time like they're gonna be well aware that that's happening
1: also those things cannot like quickly be lifted up off the ground and flown away so then there's also the lighthouse explanation that we talked about last time but something i didn't mention was that the reports the men took they used the lighthouse as a point of reference meaning they knew the lighthouse was there and what they were looking at was something completely different than the lighthouse so not only did they know it was there and were aware of it they specifically noted it in their reports as something as like a point of reference for what they're looking at the lighthouse keeper also was like does not support the theory saying it was a lighthouse because it simply could not fit the description of what the men saw And then, like the the craziest theory theory ever, Lighthouse Theory is terrible. Like that, just worst one. I don't know the dude driving around with a pile of manure and was like, "Yeah, that's me." Yeah,
0: the town drunk is also always. That's never really a good (laughs) reference point.
1: So then, like the craziest explanation in my mind is probably crazier than aliens itself is that the military was testing out something called a ghost gun to project images that the men saw, and this was coupled with hallucinogenics as a training exercise. Okay. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I mean, it'd be cool. It does not seem plausible at all.
0: Yeah. Well, that's just like a little MK Ultra action there a little bit. So i Okay, that's... The most likely scenario in my mind still unexplained things there
1: well it's the ghost gun that gets me for that one it's like how would you (laughs) project i think like how would you project images the only thing that could make sense is like get the ghost gun out of this explanation and it's just like oh we were trying to work on hallucinogenics that involved a shared trip where everybody saw similar shit right that's like the only thing i could think of but i don't know how a ghost gun came into uh, so sick up until name. two,
0: what was that said? Sick name. I just yeah, yeah, ghost gun.
1: It's like the opposite of a, the uh, Ghostbusters shit. <laughs> yeah. Instead, we're shooting out ghosts. So up until 2010, that was all that was known about the event. But in 2010, Jim Peniston came forward with new information. Apparently, a couple of days after Peniston, uh, after the innocent incident, Peniston. Was having his thoughts crowded by a bunch of repeating ones and zeros. So he couldn't get the numbers out of his head. He decided to write them down and filled up 12 pages of notes with just ones and zeros. Once he wrote them down, their numbers stopped intruding on his thoughts. So he just forgot about it. Uh, He thought it was like a side effect. Yeah. He just thought it was like a side effect of like interacting with their craft. He's like, oh, that's just like my brain trying to work backwards or some shit like that. So this um, guy has
0: like, z- does he have zero clue what binary is or he just like, yep. okay. Cause it was,
1: it was 83 and computers like weren't okay that. Yeah. Right, like, right, 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 right. Like binary wasn't that. And he was just, he would not know binary worth shit. And because somebody literally had to be like, that's what is this extra portion of your notebook? He's like, Oh, I don't know. I was just writing that down the day after. Couldn't get it out of my head. Till I wrote it down. Oh God! Then, what is it? Oh, what is it? All right. So, the code starts with the words "exploration of humanity," followed by a bunch of coordinates, including the including the coordinates to High Brazil, which is like basically Irish Atlantis. There's this like Irish. There's on maps from like twelve hundred to 1500 A.D., there's maps that have an island off the coast of Ireland. And it's said to like be basically Irish Atlantis, and only every seven years you can see the island, but you're never able to like get to it. It had coordinates to that location. It had coordinates to Mayan ruins. It had coordinates to the Crystal Palace in Arizona. Now, I don't know what the hell this is. I need to actually look it up.
0: All the Crystal Palace I know is the one in Memphis, Tennessee, dog. The big old Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> Crystal
1: Palace, Arizona, maybe. Uh, hmm. In Arizona, never heard of it. Uh, it's a saloon. I don't know. Oh, that can't be what it is. Anyways, maybe I just fully heard that wrong. Uh-huh. Uh, they have coordinates to the Pyramid of Giza, Mount Tai in China. The Nazca Lines in Peru, and the Temple of Apollo in Greece, which Dude. all of these things have, like, stories about yeah. alien shit happening at all of these places.
0: And major, yeah, like, major historic significance. Yep. That's nice. And nuts. then
1: the binary ends with Eyes of Your Eyes, Origin High Brazil, Origin Year 8100. So that brought in a new theory that this wasn't aliens; this was future humans coming back and just fucking with people <laughs> okay now, this notebook is the last thing to come out about this, and people are like pretty skeptical about it. It's like, okay, well, like he could have known binary, but it was like pretty well known that he was not. A sophisticated man not to say that he was stupid just definitely didn't read your new tech magazines so yeah they carbon dated the notebook and discovered that it was accurate to the time that he said it was and that he actually did write it around the time period of the incident he had no clue what binary was and that's why he didn't think it was important at all
0: holy shit dude
1: yep so to this day there's been no real explanation obviously from the government or anything about what's going on there the issue with it is there's a lot of skeptics that try to use the uh the book that was written by the liar as like basically they're like oh that's proof that none of this is real and then you got three men, army, like career army men that just didn't want to talk because it made them sound crazy. And like when they're on base, they'd get made fun of, we'll like, oh, you saw UFO, did you? Ooh. <laughs> and then like people putting, like, you know, how, how the guys do, how the bros do. Yeah. So that's the story of Rendlesham Forest. Just a Hell bunch yeah. of weird, crazy, unexplained shit that happened with very little to no explanation and the theories that in my mind uh actually make it make sense.
0: Little to no explanation, I feel like is a staple of an October story. Yep. Like I mean, we do like to have explanation, but
1: if it's got no explanation, it's usually better. Yeah, well,
0: it's usually like not not open to interpretation because there's no explanation. It's like, no, that's alien shit. Like that's not just regular stuff or like that's ghost stuff or whatever
1: it is paranormal yeah extraterrestrial
0: the only explanation yeah we ever have for things are very real scary things that is like serial killers (laughs) and we get explanations and we're even more confused
1: yep yeah now uh oh man most of well some people aren't confused they're excited and dress up for them as halloween so yeah. yeah
0: oof yikes have they, uh, we never talked about it, or maybe we did. Have they caught that the serial life? killer in California?
1: I believe he has been caught. Oh, really? Uh, okay. yeah. Hold on. Let me check it out. Oh, and we can I'd... start bounces and rounds.
0: Uh, I hadn't heard, and also I had just heard that there's, like, a serial killer woman on trial in, uh, England right now, I guess. I don't Know anything about that? She killed a bunch of babies in like the NICU and stuff. It's fucked up. Oh, I did hear about that. Yeah, yeah. She's on trial right now. It's weird. Uh. All right, and yeah, Fordist. So... Creepy.
1: No way. This has to be this compute. What? All right, ready for this? Go. Uh, this ha- it's just a coincidence. I think here what the this headline says, but it says. Suspect and serial killer slangs used ghost gun. Now, in this t- phrasing, ghost oh, gun is just yeah. a firearm without a serial number. Yeah. But I, I was like, I read that headline. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> we Are we in the Matrix right now? I would have started freaking out. We're like, this is unexplained.
0: Yeah. yeah that it's like got from Rendlesham for. <laughs> like, yeah. You read the article, it's just like straight up just proves like everything we just talked about. Uh, we'd, be yeah, prof- so we'd be prophets again.
1: It was... Uh, yeah, he has been caught. Um, suspect of killing three men who were among six victims of a serial killer in North California. Hmm, I feel like that's phrased weird, but okay. Sounds like he was gone. E-
0: okay, gotcha. Well, that's good. Uh, all right, bounces we'll have around. to cover him on a different... Yeah, eh, If years. he's interesting enough. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All
0: right. Bounces and rounds. I got one round. Uh, okay, I, don't I remember actually where do it's... have a round. Dude, I don't remember where it's from. I believe it is the northeast of the U.S. Uh, there's an owl flying around this town that has a child's like horse toy, like the one you ride on, like the stick with the horse head. God. It's riding around or it's flying around with that in its talons, and it looks like kind of like a witch like flying around you know what I mean? like not exactly because it's an owl it's still got like wings or whatever it just makes it look like a little more scary. <laughs> I think it is a witch <laughs> it, it very well could be, but <laughs> the picture of it is so funny, just this owl with a huge like child's toy like oh it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff and it's creepy round for that owl and the people of right. that town gotta be a fun halloween <laughs> i'm
1: buying around for andor i won't get too much into it but the first six episodes were so good and then when i finished episode six i was like damn this is a good season and then i looked it up and there's six more episodes and i was like shit this is the type of Star Wars that we need. Like, it is, it's on Mandalorian level, but it's just so gritty. And I think it's so good. I love it so much. So you should definitely w- watch andor catch up if you've watched some of it. It's fire.
0: Yeah, I watched like the first two episodes. I was like, this is really good. And then I just, I just forgot about it for some reason.
1: Yeah, I realized that the first three episodes were like, it was one of those things where it's like, you should definitely watch them back to back because I Kennedy and I watched them um, one at a time. And it was just like, okay, it's a little slow. Like it definitely has its slow moments, but then we were like watching through and I was like, okay, this, they built up at like the perfect pace. And I, uh, Mm -hmm. it was so good. It is so good. It's still happening.
0: All right. Any, uh, any bounces?
1: I do not have any bounces.
0: Okay. Me either. So let's get into the disappearance of a man named Granger Taylor. I'm going to take a little pull of whiskey here for all you dirty 30s out there. You you take one with me. Ooh. okay. Ooh. Oh, it's terrible. All right. The disappearance of a man named Granger Taylor in 1980, a 32 year old man named Granger Taylor mysteriously disappeared on November 29th of 1980 uh, in the small town of Duncan, Vancouver, Canada, like a very, very small town. Kids ride their bikes to go see their friends like you walk down the street to the corner store to get milk and groceries and stuff like that, like very, very small town. Granger Taylor was born and raised here, lived here, all 32 years of his known life. Uh, he grew up. He's just a weird kid. Didn't have like a whole lot of friends. Uh, I'm not like, I can't say like Dahmer esque, because Dahmer was a real weird kid. But I think like in the realm of that kind of weird kid, just like kind of off, nice, but like maybe, I mean. Yeah, we're not comparing Dahmer there, but, like, just not a normal guy. Uh, He wasn't very smart and, like, not good at school, like, at all. He ended up actually uh, dropping out in the eighth grade, but we will get there. Uh, When he was, oh, what did they say? When he was, like, five, somewhere between the ages of five and ten, I believe, uh, him and his family were out. I think it was just at the pretty sure at the time it was just him his mom and dad he was the only kid uh his they're on a lake trip and his father takes the boat out just one day like in their lake trip just by himself and his father just never comes back what the fuck doesn't like there was nothing i like saw read or heard about them, like, finding a boat. Some people said that his dad, like, drowned in a freak accident. Some said that he just left. And I have a different theory on that once we get through this whole other thing. uh, Like I said, he dropped out of school in the 8th grade. And he did it so he could focus on... This is weird. 8th grader. So what are you? 14 in the 8th grade? 13, 14? In the 8th yeah. grade, he drops out of school to focus on mechanics. And
1: 1980?
0: He is a, uh, 19, not... a, 1980, he's 32. 90. That's when he... Oh, uh, okay. So, so he's like... like 19... This is in the 60s. Okay,
1: where he's that, a teenager. that doesn't seem that strange, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. He's a fucking mechanic genius. His kid's like fucking Tony Stark. He, and okay. His, by his teens, he's rebuilding entire trucks. He's rebuilding bulldozers. Jesus. He finds a Depression-era locomotive in the woods, like clears out a whole line of trees and drags it back to his family farm and completely refurbishes it. A train? A, a- fucking train!
1: What the fuck? Like
0: a mechanical fucking okay. genius. Is this? He guy ends up being like, like autistic. I so or on the spectrum. <laughs> i'm glad you said something it
1: actually sounds like when you're describing that like he's not he's like kind of a a weird kid but doesn't really seem smart but is like a genius when it comes to mechanics that like in my mind fully sounds like he's on the spectrum
0: but i also have don't know shit about that stuff so yeah no i mean it i could totally see that as well i Glad you said something like at that moment because I was just gonna compare him. You ever seen the movie Sling Blade? Sling like he's legitimately Blade. fucking what? Sling Blade.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, I've never heard of this. You've never 1996, seen Ninety Six? Billy Bob Thornton, yeah, with the French fried
0: potatoes. I've Bob never even heard of this. He, it's a good movie, but Billy Bob Thornton does play like a guy with mental disabilities and like. He's got a relationship with a kid, and it's all nice and sweet and whatever, and he saves the kid in the end or protects the kid in the end, I don't remember. But Granger Taylor, as you could probably imagine, a mechanical genius like this gets a train from the woods, not a small dude. He's over six foot and like two hundred and forty pounds. Like big dude. Yeah. But you like knowing all that, he was actually like known around town as Gentle Ben. Which only, like, goes on to my sling blade theories. Yeah, definitely just sounds like... There's definitely some people in this town that are not nice to him, I'm sure. That are just, oh, like, yeah, uh, completely sure. assholes. Uh, he doesn't really have any friends, like, even as he grows up. He usually, like, kind of just hangs out. Again, more sling blade stuff. Just hangs out with, like, the neighborhood kids, like dogs not like hang out with him but like they'd come by and like he's working on a car or a truck or whatever he's doing and like shows him like this and that and how like mechanics work or whatever he's not like he's he's not hanging out with like children except for he does have like a really good friend who is a 15 year old boy which at first i was like "Ah." and then like towards the end of the story you're like okay no they're really like they're actually friends and i think this dude is a like I, again, I'm just gonna keep making the Sling Blade reference. God, uh,
1: if you guys, if anybody knows what Sling Blade is, I'd love to hear because I've never, literally, never heard of this movie. You get, I mean,
0: I've I've actually seen it a couple times. Good movie. Uh, anyway, so I sometime in the early 70s, I believe, maybe mid 70s, is the first UFO sighting in Duncan. Vancouver, Canada. Uh, The main sighting is four nurses working the night shift at the local hospital. And they look out one of the windows and there is a large saucer shaped object that is hovering about 30 feet in the air. has blinding lights around the rim on the center of the saucer. uh, And one of the nurses said that she could see human-like figures in basically like a windshield type thing and one of the figures is intently focused on whatever is in front of them and the other one is just staring straight out at them basically kind of being like to me it's like oh fuck they can see us we're like (laughs) we're right in their line of vision like you need to like come on fix it fix it because they also said it seemed like uh the, it might have been malfunctioning, like their spaceship might have been malfunctioning. Just the way okay. that they were acting, and the way that they like sat there after they were caught for like a little bit, or seen for a little bit, and then just like took off. Uh the, that was the main sighting. There are multiple sightings all over Duncan of a UFO that night, and they this all nineteen fifty. Is that what you said? This is in the seventies now. Oh, yeah. This is when he's getting into his 20s this is the first ufo sighting around town a lot of sightings from a lot of people around this town and it's not said for sure whether granger taylor saw it himself or uh like it happened There are multiple sightings and then it's a small town so a lot of people start talking but right after this he became he becomes really, really interested in rebuilding planes. He uh, wants okay. stuff that flies. He even uh, later in the 70s, I believe this is like, this might be mid to late 70s now. The UFO sighting was early to mid 70s. Um, he com- finds a World War II Kitty Hawk fighter plane and completely refurbishes it on his own again just a, like, fuck? something he has no like he's not good at school so I'm not imagining he's reading books I think he just sees like engines and like transmissions and parts and stuff and just knows what to do with it and like how to make certain things work without like he's a fucking genius dude <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is straight able up like to identify, Tony
1: Stark. like what things are just by looking at them and being like oh if that were if that goes there then this goes there and then It's just a puzzle.
0: He's like Moe's and Ned's Declassified.
1: (laughs) That's such a strange (laughs) reference. (laughs) Uh,
0: So yeah, completely refurbishes that uh, World War II fighter plane. And then 1977. Star Wars comes out.
1: Hell and he yeah.
0: fucking loves Star Wars. Either he like again, either he saw this UFO or just the talk around town got him really into UFOs and stuff. And he saw Star Wars in theaters at least four times. After that Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh after that he starts believing that he is going to go to space like he in his head is i'm going to go to space it's happening whatever so he decides that he's going to build his very own spaceship
1: okay well now now i don't need to hear the rest of this this guy succeeded and he went to space (laughs) and now he's living on an alien space station and that's why he disappeared Mm, you've
0: you're not far off uh it takes him about a year and a half. So, this is probably. So, 77 Star Wars comes out. So, almost 79. He finishes his very own life size spaceship. And he basically. It doesn't. Obviously, there's one problem with it it doesn't fly. But yep. he's got everything together. So he basically turns it into like a clubhouse. It's got like a wood burning stove and like couches, like a TV, a radio, like all I don't think I had a TV actually. This is the seventies, so it had like a radio and like just like a cool hangout for him and his child friends. <laughs> Which again, not it's not creepy. It's very regular. <laughs> as regular as adult child friendship could be. <laughs> Uh, but he basically yeah, turns into a clubhouse Like has all this stuff And then Like I said the major problem with is it is it can't fly So he also After a little while Being a clubhouse Decides it's going to become Basically his laboratory Where he studies uh, Basically ufology He becomes like somewhat a ufologist And starts reading books And, like, stuff about alien encounters. And he also reads a lot of stuff uh, about propulsion. So he's really trying to get this thing to fly. This is also the time where he starts taking more, let's just say, more than one hits of acid a day. While he's hanging out in his life-sized UFO studying propulsion and ufology. So, so it's just a wild. regular a regular ufologist. It's just just taking... a regular dude
1: having a regular day.
0: You know, like With you seven do. Seven hits of acid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fucking space, man. I'm going to fucking space. And all these little kids are like, okay, mister. <laughs> Please let us out. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, shit. <laughs> um not too long after he builds this life-size spaceship uh and he's like he's already building planes and getting good with that uh he starts hearing another being's voice in his head who says they're fr- they're sending him messages from beyond the milky way galaxy oh god and
1: uh that's just recipe for disaster let's be yeah. honest
0: Granger Taylor starts basically asks for advice about how they can create the propulsion it takes to fly one out of the atmosphere and two through space like so easily, and like obviously without like fossil fuels and stuff like that yeah uh, and the only thing that I could really find or come up with was that in this first or one of these first conversations. With this being from beyond the Milky Way is that they said magnetism is key to being able to travel. Uh, what's the word? Intergalactically? Yeah, intergalactically. We're getting
1: interstellar. No, interstellar was gravity. That's right. Not magnetism.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Month, like, months pass... From this first like transmission into his directly into his mind. Months pass and many like, Yeah. and many conversations from beyond keep occurring throughout these months. Eventually this voice in his head asks if he would like to take a trip across the galaxy. Of course, Granger Taylor's like uh, in
1: our favorite rocket ship through the sky. Granger Taylor. It's him.
0: Perfect. He fell in uh, the little Einstein's. of course, Granger Taylor is like, uh fuck yeah, dude. I my best friend's a fifteen year old and I like live with my parents. Of course I want to do that. <laughs> um, oh, the thing
1: I've been asking you
0: about this whole time? You you <laughs> offer that to me? Yeah. yeah. I wanna go. You could have just, just said that fucking immediately, dude. then he's like, like, "Where's my dad?
1: (laughs) My Uh, dad in the stars?"
0: (laughs) Uh. So months pass, and basically the the being is like, "All right, I'll take you on, you know, trip across the galaxy or whatever." And but you have to wait further instructions for when I'm gonna come pick you up. Months pass, and finally he gets back. Like the being says, okay, it's gonna happen soon and the spacecraft is gonna come through when there's a giant thunderstorm. So you get so you can get out without anybody seeing the spacecraft, without anybody seeing you, meet you in this loc this location and yeah, so nobody will so nobody will see. Uh so Granger being all excited starts telling his mom and his friends like, Yeah, they're gonna it's gonna happen soon. I don't know exactly when it's gonna happen but it's supposed to happen during a thunderstorm and they're going to take me uh, across the galaxy in june of 1980 the closer and closer that it gets to when he is finally supposed to be abducted he still doesn't exactly know the date they're basically just going to let him know like fucking game time decision like it's happening now like meet us uh in june of 1980 he prepares a will and crosses out the word "funeral" in every place that it appears, and he replaces the word "death" with "departed" throughout oh, God. the entire will.
1: You said of June of nineteen eighty,
0: June of nineteen eighty. So oh, he's, shit. yeah, he's getting really close to being uh, abducted or disappearing at le- At the very least, um, he starts to say his goodbyes. On November twenty eighth, he meets with his stepdad and says his goodbyes, says his goodbyes to his friends. Uh and his mom was on vacation in Hawaii and he told his friends that he did not want to ruin her good time. So his mom never even got a goodbye. That's which, so
1: fucked.
0: Yeah, which is uh really, really fucked up. <laughs> um That's so fucked up. So, that was November 28th. On November 29th, in Duncan, Vancouver, Uh, a gigantic, like, 100-year storm hits, Duncan. Just insane. Torrential downpours, like, high winds, whitening. Like, you shouldn't even be, like, driving in it at all. Like, just stay inside. It's so bad. Uh this is when Duncan Taylor I'm sorry Duncan Taylor that's the name of the town is Duncan Granger Taylor leaves a note for his parents that reads dear mother and father I've gone away to walk aboard an alien spaceship as reoccurring dreams assured a 42 month interstellar voyage to explore the vast universe there's a little bit more to it but it's more about like Hims just saying, like, see my will for like I uh, you know, I leave all my stuff to you, there's a will. Look at that. But that yeah, that was the main part. He leaves that note. On the back of the note, he has a hand drawn map of Waterloo Mountain, which is about twenty miles south uh, I think south. Yeah. Twenty miles south of their farm. He also leaves Pretty much all of his possessions and all of his money, which is basically $10,000 cash Jesus. he leaves behind. Uh, On his way, that's when he leaves the family farm. At about 6 p.m., he stops at a local place called Bob's Grill, and he's talking with everybody in there. The waitress, like again, small town. People at Bob's Grill know who Granger Taylor is, yeah. and he's sitting there telling them, like, I'm going to space tonight. I'm leaving for space tonight. I'm just coming here, like, getting my last meal, like, saying goodbye. Guy's got to eat before he goes to space. He's like, singing Rocket Man the whole way. <laughs> and everybody, like, everybody in town knows who he is. It's just like, oh, yep, yeah, just, just old Granger just talking crazy shit about how he's going to space.
1: Have fun on your trip, bud.
0: Yeah. After that, I mean, he pays for his meal, leaves, and then he goes... And says goodbye to his best friend, the fifteen-year-old Robert Keller, the one he—I don't think I mentioned it—but he went to go see Star Wars with him, like all those times, and like they were actually friends. It's a little bit sad because Robert Keller wanted to come with, and he was like, "No, I asked aliens if you could come with, but they said you have so much more to do here on Earth that you can't." So he said his goodbye to his friend and left never to be seen again. Just drove oh, off in the rain fuck. and nobody ever saw Granger Taylor Did again. Did they find his car? Royal Guardian I'm sorry, uh Royal Canadian Mounties, along with rescue workers and just ev- everyone is looking for him high and low, anywhere they can, like making the search radius like farther and farther out. And they just keep looking for weeks, end up being months, and there's no sign of him fucking
1: anywhere. That's insane. Uh This is only a month before Randall's from Forest,
0: too. Yeah, I know. When you said nineteen eighty earlier, I was like, ooh, I didn't even realize that. <laughs> uh just never yeah, never to be seen again. Uh until May 29th of 1984 not until sorry i didn't mean to say until but this is 42 months later and from his note he was taking a 42 month intergalactic journey
1: yeah
0: like his family was still holding out the hope like he's going to come back and walk through that door and tell us just like the most amazing story about how he's traveled the universe over the past 42 months his brother at this point his younger brother is in the coast guard And he spent all of that night at his, like, watch station, like, looking out into the sky, just waiting to see a UFO coming and dropping his brother back off. Yeah. And it just never happened. But, but, based on Einstein's theory of relativity, the faster we travel through space, the slower we travel through time. Yeah. So... 42, is, i
1: was actually thinking that i was like 42 months space time is probably different than it's calendar month
0: yeah it it depends on how fast you're traveling and all that which it's it's almost like dog years like space years are kind of like dog years like but kind of no yeah like not exactly but like seven years in space could be one year on earth like it just it it's basic relativity. I'm sure you all out Obviously. there understand.
1: <laughs> Clearly you understand. You're listening to the dirty, you listen, th- your dirty
0: 30. You listen to this very smart, well put together podcast. You know the Einstein's theory of relativity. <laughs> I mean if you don't um, stop listening. <laughs> this is a podcast for intellectuals. Um so nineteen eighty six. Forest workers discover what they what looks like a blast site. Like there's a giant crater in the woods near Mount Prevost, which is about 18 minutes northwest of the Taylor family farm, where there's like a bunch of metal debris and there's a a tire from a car like lodged in a tree like way up high. What? <laughs> like so, so? Like something had to have happened there. And the police something find, exploded there. yeah, the police find two human bones. But this is 1986, so DNA at like testing is there's yeah. really not any DNA testing. And even if they do, they don't like understand the science yet, so it can't even. It's probably not even like say this were like a murder case or something it would it be like admissible in court? Probably, um, or at least if it was, it'd be like OJ, where they're like the yeah. jury's like, I don't understand what that means anyway. (laughs) Um, So, the... Basically, the police are just like, this is Granger Taylor. We found Granger Taylor. There's a truck tire. He was an explosives expert, so, like, he got that locomotive out of the woods and dragged it all the way back to his place. Like, he didn't do that without some sticks of dynamite, like, blowing trees and limbs and everything out of his way. Oh. Okay. But... He was being an explosives expert. You're not going to blow yourself to fucking smithereens. Like, you could well, mess up. You could mess up and, like, if he's really injure to, yourself. Is, like, well, blow an arm well, off. On. Like, was
1: his spaceship, like, did I don't know. People know. Like, where was his spaceship? Like, did people know where his spaceship was? Or, like, could this have possibly... He literally was trying to take off
0: and just blew up. Uh, I would assume, since I didn't read anything after him building the spaceship, I would assume that the spaceship was just still there in his backyard. Like, on the family farm. 'Cause if that was gone, I feel like that would be a major part of the story that
1: like Yeah, people would be like,
0: Well his spaceship was gone,
1: so yeah, it, it would lead them to yeah. believe that So yeah, since it was
0: wasn't out. mentioned, I yeah, I don't I think it was probably just okay. still there. Um But there's really no evidence that those bones were his. Again, he's an explosives expert. He was always super careful when he was doing anything like that. The spaceship is still there, we're assuming. Uh, I mean,
1: also, if it wasn't like, if he he would try a test flight before he gets in it himself, too.
0: Yeah, like, but if he's going to get in also, something
1: that's going to blow up like that,
0: this is also him getting picked up anyway. It's yeah. not like he's supposed to be flying his own spacecraft that's true. space anyway. Um, and also, this isn't even the mountain that he drew on the back of his note that he was going to. This is in the exact opposite direction oh. of where he was supposed to be going to Mount Waterloo. And this is Mount Provo. I'm just filling this in for background cuz this is what like basically the case okay. closed it, to it, it's a, like at least legally. Drive a, towards Waterloo versus Provo? I yeah, I believe so.
1: Okay. Cool.
0: Uh Ooh. so the uh, there's really no DNA from the bones and anything and then the color of the car, like the pieces of metal that they found in that crater, it would the car was blue and apparently he drove a Pepto Bismol pink truck. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> they they get like Saw it a couple times that it was like a Pepto-Bismol pink. And I was like, okay, I got it. (laughs) Got it the first Uh, time. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, And so there was like no DNA at the time, which you'd say, oh, they can just test the DNA now. Nobody knows where the fucking bones are. (sighs) To no bones day. God. Tell (laughs) (laughs) Tell me that's
1: not a cover up. I mean, I I don't know if it's a cover-up. I think it's more of just incompetence. It's like, well, we yeah. found him. And then they just threw the bones back where they
0: found him. Yeah. It just, oh, that's sick. But that is the story I of hope, the disappearance I hope he's of in Granger space. Taylor. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that'd be so sweet if in like 20 years, years we just, just hear about back. this guy coming back. So like, awesome. I'm Granger Taylor. And
1: he's like only 42 months older. That'd be so cool.
0: That'd be sick. More lost time.
1: All right. Anything else?
0: No, that is it. Uh, Next week, I don't know what your plan is, but it is the last week of October. I don't have one yet. Well, I was thinking maybe you and I collab on one serial killer. Ooh, okay. like, I like some... that idea some real i have somebody in mind but i don't want to say it here
1: yeah save it we'll save yeah and then you can just let me know and we'll do that all right perfect
0: very 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 evil man even better
1: well if you enjoyed today's episode make sure to give us a follow on spotify and like and give us our our rating on spotify as well give us a follow on twitter at dirtybeer 30 like and retweet everything that we tweet because we're hilarious and funny also go ahead and follow us on apple podcast give us a rating
0: and review there make sure you check out six pack sports did i tweet the episode out last week at all that's a good question i don't think i did i think i I just realized i didn't all right we'll double tweet tomorrow uh (laughs) yeah it doesn't look like you did (laughs) fuck Oops. Oh, well. Yikes. All right. Well, at least it was a two-parter. That'll help. Yeah. Two part in a row. All right. Uh, Wish you were beer.